Good morning. We are in this uh, sermon series uh, that's entitled Elisha and Jesus. Elisha and Jesus, talking about living a called life. I've got some hum, Lila. If we could hum. Thank you, Jim. Elisha and Jesus, living a called life. Our scripture text this morning is taken from 2 Kings chapter 2, uh, verses 7 through 15, uh, where we will look at the call of Elisha through the lens of Elijah's leaving this earth. And so 2 Kings chapter 2 is our text. Let's, let's read that together, starting in verse 7. Fifty men from the company of prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. And Elijah took his cloak, he rolled it up, and he struck the water with it. And the water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? And Elisha replied, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. You've asked a very difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. And as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And he took hold of his clothes and he tore them apart. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah, and he went back and he stood to the bank of the Jordan. And he took the cloak that had fallen from him, and he struck the water with him as he said, Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had struck that water, it divided from the right to the left, and he crossed over. And the company of prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And went to meet him, and they bowed down before him. Our Father and our God, as we approach your word today, we do so humbly with grateful hearts that you've chosen to speak to us through your word. And I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit will come upon each one of us as we are asking you, Lord, to pierce our hearts, to touch our lives, and to open up our minds to your truth. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I should probably not admit this from the pulpit but I reward my children when they don't have cavities. Since they first started going to the dentist, if they came back with a good report, I would take them to get donuts afterwards. 
Probably not my best moment in parenting, but there are some really good donut spaces close to the dentist. There's a Dunkin' just down the road. There's a Weigel's right next door. Two of my favorite places to get donuts. And then, just recently, there was a Richie Cream that opened up. And so, like, it's a no-brainer to go get them donuts. Now, the first time was an absolute treat. Uh, poor Charlie knew it was coming because it was a treat for Eli the first time. But I remember the second time. And remember, these, these guys are really, really young. Both of them, it was the second time. I said, okay, you didn't have any cavities. Let's go out to, to get a donut. Where do you want to get a donut? And both of them did the same thing. They said, if we, if we go to Waggles, and they used to call it Waggles, Waggles Donuts. If we go to Waggles, can I get a Coke too? And I just, man, that didn't sit right with me. Because here I am, being a, a, a gracious father and trying to hook them up without their mom knowing that we're going to go get a donut, and they asked for more. It just didn't feel good. It's like they were trying to take advantage of me. They were young. They didn't know any better. But as I read this passage and I heard Elisha's request, my mind went back to that. And I, I just thought, man, Elisha, you, you're older than this, right? How are you going to ask for a double portion of the Spirit? Such a bold request. But what did he mean when he asked for that double portion? Now, in the portion that we did not read this morning, Elijah and Elisha had visited three different spots. They came upon two companies of prophets who told Elisha both times, your brother Elijah is about to die. And the Jordan River is now the third spot, and they meet this group of prophets and Elijah asks if there's anything he can do for Elisha before he's taken up to heaven. Appropriate answers in my mind might be, will you tell me that story, Elijah, when you were fed by the ravens? Will you tell me that story again when God gave you that supernatural speed? Will you tell me that story again when the fire fell from heaven and gulped up? that altar. Or maybe just the cloak that Elijah used to call it Elisha. But a double portion of the Spirit. It almost sounds like he's saying, you know, Elijah, you did a great job, but I want to be ranked higher than you at the end of the day. Elijah won two Oscars, I want to win four. You won two miracles, I want four. Ironically, Elijah had six miracles, Elisha had 12. One after he died, but 12 nonetheless. But I don't think Elisha is asking with ill intent. In fact, based on this passage today, I think Elisha's perspective on the Spirit 
is something that you and I can learn from today. So just follow along with me as I share a few thoughts from the passage. I think first and foremost, we need to understand that Elisha understood the enormous call of God. Elisha recognized the enormous call of God. I mentioned that earlier in the chapter, the prophets kept telling Elisha, hey man, Elijah's going to be taken from you. And each time, Elisha's response was, I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Yes, I know. I don't want to speak about it. Elisha, I think, knew his time was coming and understood the monumental pressure that was being placed on his shoulders. At this point in history, being a God believer and being a prophet was not something that a whole lot of people wanted to do. In fact, the king of the land and his wife wanted people to worship other gods, and they tried to kill Elijah for trying to bring him back to the one true God. So you've got this battle for the hearts of God's people, and that's hard work. It's dangerous work, and it doesn't come with a whole lot of benefits. So wait upon you. In Matthew's gospel, specifically chapter 17, there's a story where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to the top of a mountain. He would leave James and John to pray as he and Peter would go, and he would be transfigured before Peter. And while they are at the top of the mountain, the nine other disciples are waiting patiently for them at the bottom of the mountain. A crowd heard that Jesus was in the vicinity, and they began to form around these remaining disciples. Now, these nine disciples, even though they weren't chosen to go up on the mountain, were still perfectly capable. In fact, Matthew's gospel in chapter uh, 9 or 10, I believe, in chapter 10, you can read about how Jesus gave the disciples power to heal, and he sent them to surrounding cities to preach and to heal. There was this one specific man who approached the disciples because his son had suffered these terrible, terrible seizures. These seizures caused him to fall into the fire. These seizures caused him to fall into water and almost drown. And I want you just to picture this child who's being brought before these nine disciples who have been given the power to heal, who have been walking with Jesus. And think about the pressure that must have been upon them. Can you see that little child, probably bruised, maybe a broken arm? The weight and pressure that must have fallen on the disciples as they stared at this poor child who needed healing. 
I hope after last week, you feel the weight of God's call on our lives. And maybe this week, as you sat in your cubicle, your office, your classrooms, and you listened and read about stories of lost people who desperately need to hear the gospel, did you feel any kind of pressure? Maybe this week you looked around and saw stories of injustice, homelessness, broken families, people taking advantage of other people, and the weight can be overwhelming. Jesus says in Luke chapter 15, verse 4 through 5, suppose one of you have a hundred sheep and you lose one. Pause there. That's the weight. You lose one. And the weight is so strong that we're told, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go and find that sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and so forth, right? This is the weight and the release of the weight. We should feel like the shepherd who lost a sheep. We should feel like Elisha does as he stands holding this cloak. It's a weight and pressure of the call of God. And the second thought I want to share with you is that I think Elisha also recognizes his own capabilities, right? I think he also recognizes that he's Elisha, not Elijah, right? Six years ago, Elisha was plowing a field. Six years ago, he was plowing a field. He was a farmer and now he's got this incredible calling before him to bring the nation of Israel back to God. And I think Elisha knew that he needed an extra step. <laughs> he needed a little bit more than Elijah. He didn't have the experience except for plowing fields. And he realized his own ability and humility, I believe. He asked for more. Because he knew he needed it. I really think the disciples needed that kind of humility. <laughs> We're told in uh, Matthew 17 that Jesus came down from the mountain with Peter and James and John, and, and he, had, he saw this crowd that had formed around the other nine. And the man uh, whose son was being thrown into seizures he approached Jesus, and after describing his son's condition, he said in 1716, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. They couldn't do it. And whenever I read this passage, I'm always struck with a giant, well, duh. <laughs> of course the disciples couldn't heal this boy. Three years ago, Matthew was sitting at a tax collector's booth. Peter's brother, Andrew, who was one of the nine standing there, he was a fisherman. They didn't teach healing a boy with seizure in tax collector school. 
Andrew's dad didn't show him how to stop a boy's seizure while he was showing him how to fish. I think we like, likewise, I think we need to understand the enormity of the task before us as God's people who are called into this world. It's not something we necessarily prepared to do our whole life. It's well beyond our natural capabilities. You need a double portion. I need a double portion. The weight of the call combined with my own capabilities causes me to ask God, I need more to accomplish this task. Because why? It is not our abilities. It's not our knowledge. It's not our natural gifts that change this world. It's God's power. It's God's power. And Elisha recognized the power of God. I tell you, my favorite part of this whole story is that when these chariots of fire and these horse fire thingies come flying out of the sky and they separate the two of them, there's only one thing left. Do you guys remember the cloak, right? The cloak came from last week's story. It's the cloak that Elijah put over Elisha to tell him, you've been called by God. And that same cloak, the cloak that Elijah used to smash the water and that parted, that's the cloak that was left. And Elisha, he picks up that cloak. He doesn't think that cloak has any magic powers, folks. But it's a symbol. And what does he say? Where now is the God of Elijah? He calls on the name of the Lord. And he smacks that water. Boom. God shows up. Elisha, the company of prophets, they all see that the double portion have been passed on and that he is now able to do God's ministry with God's power. So Elisha calls out to the God who has power. What about the disciples? What did they do? I don't know, but I do know this one thing. They didn't pray. They didn't call on God. Jesus, in fact, rebukes his disciples, and he heals that boy. And later on, the disciples ask Jesus, what happened? Why could we not heal this boy? In Mark 9, 29, it says... This kind can only come by prayer. And in Matthew 17, verse 20, we're told, same story, different gospel, because you have such little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, this is the mountain he just climbed down from, right? Move from here to there and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus might have well have said, 
It's because you tried to do it on your own power. Why has he got to remind them that in order to heal this boy, you need to cry out to God? Why does he have to remind these disciples who have walked with Jesus that you ain't got the power to do it? You've got to call out to God. And you need to understand the power of God. When he says you need to have the faith of a mustard seed, that is not a story of the faith we need. It's the story of how powerful God is. That God can pick up a mountain if he needed to, and he'd move it. Because that's how powerful God is. I heard a beautiful story this week about this little girl who went to the general store with her mom. And the store owner was there. He had this uh, basket full of cherries. And he felt generous. He said, hey, why don't you reach your hand in there and get yourself a handful of cherries? And she said, no, no. And he's like, well, come on, you come in here all the time. I know you love cherries. Reach your hand in there and go ahead and grab you some cherries. And she said, no, no, no. And so he reached his hands in there. He got himself a big pile of cherries and he gave them to her. And she said, thank you. And they walked out. My mom was like, yeah, kind of embarrassed me there. <laughs> he offered you some cherries. Why didn't you reach your hand in there? And her response is the one I love. It's because he has bigger hands. Right? Listen, folks. The disciples try to use their own hands. What did it get them? What did it get them? Nothing. Shar and I were working on this sermon series. Uh, we were talking about this song, Same God, that we sang, sang today. And how appropriate it is. Because we read these stories in the Old Testament, right? Stories about chariots coming down from the sky. Waters being parted. And there's story after story after story of God moving in powerful ways. And the whole theme of the story, the song is this. That God who did all those things, he's a still the same God today. And we're saying, God, if you're the same God today, please give me the double portion. Because this world is lost. It's broken. It needs a change. And it's an enormous task, one that you and I have not been properly trained for, but that's okay. That's okay. Because God's power is big enough. Hear me, friends. He has given you a double portion. So you see, as we gather around this table this morning, we eat bread and we drink juice, not because it's necessarily delicious, we do it to recognize a God who came to this earth, who died, who defeated death, and who is now raised into heaven, empowering you, my friends, with the Holy Spirit, 
a double portion to equip you here and now. As we move into this time, will you think about that power? Celebrate that power. The spirit of the risen Christ living inside of us. And let's use that power where we live, where we work, and where we play. As we gather around this table, we're going to sing a song called Jesus Messiah. It's a celebration of what Jesus did. Let's worship him as we go to these three stations that are set up. You can take the cup and hold that cup and worship God and say thank you. We'll have uh, someone come up and share with us and we'll take that cup together. But before we do so, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I do say thank you. Thank you that your death was not in vain. Thank you that you have defeated death. And thank you, Father, for the call that you've put on our lives. Help us, Lord, to realize that call. Help us, Lord, in these times that we have this need for your double portion. And I pray, Father, that you'll continue to equip us as we worship and celebrate you this morning. We give you all the glory and honor, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.